Welcome to the Zone podcast. I'm Liam Ford. And I'm Paula Benetton. And at today's show, we have Craig Harrison, a Kiwi who works with kids, teaching them how to fall in love with movement. And yeah, I mean, why I love this podcast is because, you know, well, I've got kids and um, they're grown up now, but they've got kids now. And so if you're anyone listening to this with kids or you employ anyone with kids or you're an uncle and aunt or a sister or brother with, with kids, this is super cool, super cool podcast because it's about the foundations of performance for our kids, which is lifelong. And also, you're going, if you're getting hungry while you listen to this podcast, Craig's going to teach you about this thing called snacking, which I think you're going to find pretty interesting and it's going to fill you up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a different type of snacking. And uh, <laughs> he really touches on how having the right environment is so important for that, you know, for growing kids who love how to move and how that impacts their, not only their athletic performance, but also their, you know, how they go on into, into life. So uh, buckle up, put your headphones on, go for a walk, get some movement and enjoy the change you're about to experience. Hey Craig, uh, welcome to The Zone podcast with Paula and I, and it's really good to have you on the podcast. And of course, I should be calling you Dr. Craig Harrison, because I know you've got a PhD, which we'll come to that later, because that must have been arduous. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but really, I, I wanted to like just kick off by saying you've got a strange idea about snacking. So you know what? What the hell is your idea about snacking? I mean, can you tell us a bit <laughs> about the snacking? I mean, I, you know, when I saw snacking, I was like, oh, cool. You know, I could do with a I could do with a snack. But then I I looked into it, and you've got a different take on it. So. How did you come up with that? Like, where did that come from? Yeah, kia ora, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's, it's, this is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. So I realized probably about 18 months ago that I was in the business of behavior change and habit formation uh, with the young people that I work with, um, as opposed to what's traditionally seen as fitness, strength, speed, and adapting the muscles in order to allow that to happen. And so I was seeing lots of young athletes that could really have benefited from some physical um, training um, so that they could go out there and, and do better in their sport and, and also just be better in life. Um, and so for me, it was about helping them to understand the importance of movement, uh, the importance of their bodies and what awareness of their bodies can do. And so I spent a long time thinking about, well, if I was to help a young person to acquire this understanding, then how could I do that? And the science is quite clear around the acquisition of a new habit um, and of a, a new skill. Um, small frequent doses are the best way to do that. And so in, mm. in the same way that you would brush your teeth every day to make sure that you're maintaining oral health in order to acquire a new movement skill, I wanted to do that in a way that was most efficient. And so sort of along came this idea of movement snacking. 
and it's proven to be really beneficial. Um, it's created a language, which I think is really important when you're introducing something new for young people to associate with and, and, and use in the, their narrative. And so, yeah, along came movement snacking, and now I use it as a way to facilitate the, the adaptation of change physically through some of the behavioral economics that we know work well. Oh, that's great. And, and like, what age group kids do you work with? Because there'd be a lot of parents listening to this podcast or parents-to-be. And I know I've got four kids and I, we were chatting just before we got on and I was saying, I think I completely messed, <laughs> messed it up. <laughs> you know, I was the traditional parent that pushed them into, like, go swimming, do this, do football, do that, and was focusing more on the actual sport versus what I heard from you is this foundation skills of love of play, love of movement is really such an important foundation that gets missed and that's why kids burn out or lose motivation. Have I got it right or Yeah, absolutely. Like there's this there's this foundational piece that we know is twofold in its effect. Uh, so primarily this is about developing young people for life and as cliche as that sounds that's the truth <laughs> and in, if you get deep yeah. enough into a conversation with any parent you will soon come to the point of this is why i want my young person my child to be participating in sport is because deep down i i know that the true benefit is about life skills but youth sport has got to the point where the information and the language and the, the narrative that everybody is putting out there has got very heavily swayed towards performance, talent, outcomes, achievement, making teams, and, and all these things that have just disrupted what sport is ultimately for. Uh, and so I'm a true believer in that we're developing young people through sport. And if they happen to make the Silver Ferns or the All Blacks one day, then that's fantastic. And, and those outcomes are important along the way because of the importance of things like status um, for young people. But ultimately, if, if I'm doing my job, then I need to make sure that when the teams and, and, and these outcomes go away, that a young person has fallen in, in love with movement for life and and also have the skills that are going to help them in every other area that they walk into. And so I work with uh, young people between the ages, mainly between the ages of about 11 and 17. So pick, mm -hmm. start working with them when they start realizing that sport is something that they're passionate about and also something that if they commit themselves to that they might have a shot of of going all right in it so that's always the the perception coming in and then obviously right throughout that developmental stage of early adolescence into mid-adolescence that's really interesting piece of development for me it's it's a massive period of change and so there's there's lots of opportunity there to help kids to understand and to incorporate these foundational pieces into what they do which they're going to have forever. So, yeah, that's that tends mm. to be the age bracket. Um, I, I've worked with some younger kids, but typically they need to be at the stage of development of being able to pick up some of these things and, and integrate them into their worlds. Right, right. And, of course, during that time of you know adolescence, a lot of that stuff is 
you know, they don't really know who they are from day to day, week to week, because they're changing so fast, I guess. And so these sure, foundation yeah. skills gives them a chance to, instead of go to that place where they shouldn't do, maybe they can go for a run or do some movement and get present for that even. So I can see how it's, it's pretty important. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is uh, really fascinating, Craig. And, um, and w- I wonder, like, what helps kids, you know, to fall in love with movement? Well, like, what's different between, you know, like, what's out there and the, the movement's necking that uh, really helps them to, to develop that connection with movement? The same things that, that help you to fall in love with anything in life. Um, and so I've also got a podcast. It's called The Athlete Development Show. And, and we dig into all areas of life, sport, education, well-being, et cetera, et cetera, that may be relevant when it comes to sporting performance for young people. And one of the episodes I did a little while ago, I had a a lady on, Katie Cunningham, and she's written a book called Start With Joy. And it's based in educational pedagogy, and and she works with teachers to help young kids fall in love with reading. And there's there's seven foundational components to that, and a few of them that that I transferred directly into sport and was always doing so, but um, just this, this conversation I had really helped me to frame this up. So the first one is is choice, and we know how important that is. Um, so we need to give young people choice from as early an age as we possibly can and and be less directive and be more explorative and guiding in, in our approaches as adults. Um, so that's really, really important. Connection. So connection to the environment and to the people within the environment is really really important and so i talk a lot about being very intentional about creating space to connect so let's not just go and do movement but let's connect to the environment and the world around us and the people that are there doing the movement with us because if i have a better relationship with the other child in the movement environment, then I'm much more likely to connect with the actual movement itself. So that's really, really important is, is being intentional about those connections and those relationships. And then the other piece that I use a lot of is challenge. And so we need to make sure that the challenge is appropriate for the individual. And that can be difficult in large groups um, when there might be one teacher and 30 kids in a class or one coach and 15 kids in a team. But the more you understand it, the better you get at this. And providing opportunity for kids to opt in and out of a particular challenge to regress a skill, to progress a skill, can be really, really powerful to allow a young person to go, I'm not quite ready for that, but I am for this. And therefore, if I have choice, I can opt in at the right level of challenge you know, just outside my current level of abilities. And with adequate help, which is the role of the adult, then the child can perceive that challenge as being optimal. They opt in, they get a little bit of success, and then they're going to come back for more. And so I've spent a lot of time thinking about environments that facilitate that optimal challenge. And the one that I I use as a great example is the skate park. So if you think about what the skate park 
provides. There's an array of challenges. There's great connection. There's lots of choice. And so when kids are there, they have the ability to opt in to that particular challenge that they've figured out is perfect for them and is going to provide them the next step in their learning journey to get better. And that's what that's what is most important. And traditional sports kind of don't necessarily facilitate that very well. Uh, and so I spend more and more of my time helping people to understand what that might look like and for parents to understand and to, to seek out environments that provide that to make sure that their kids are in optimal learning environments. That's really interesting. It's fantastic. Yeah. So do you think that, you know, if we come to sort of like the high level, you know, like the Olympic sports and stuff, and we've had many, many examples of athletic burnout or tragedy, do you think that by starting with the foundations that you're talking about and that we could avoid some of that in the longer term? I mean, I know you, I mean, there could be studies on that or you could be speculating, but it sounds like that's what you're saying, right? That because you're not just talking about physical health, you're also talking about the mental health of young children as well, like working with that element and having them understand their brain and their body, not just the body, right? Yeah, so there's, there is definitely some research that would suggest that diversification of both movement and uh, psychological stimulation is effective for well-being inside those environments longer term there still needs to be a lot of work done in this area because I mean, if you're familiar with sport at the moment within New Zealand and across the world, there's been a lot of talk around mental health, like a lot of talk. Um, New Zealand's gone through some really interesting stuff around specific sports that have had to go under review because of some of the internal conflicts that have arisen over the last few years and athletes speaking out about not being happy and really being affected mentally by some of their experiences. And so a lot of people in sport have had to take a long, hard look at their environments and and make sure that they are ticking the box around well-being and providing opportunities for, for young people. And it's slowly sort of filtering down into youth sport at the minute. It's probably more sitting in the high-performance space. But in my opinion, that's too late. Uh, we definitely need to think about what's happening mentally because there are heaps of research studies that show that what happens in the formative years um, are highly influential as people age and, and as people develop and go into environments like high-performance sport. And so identity and the formation of identity is one of those great examples that show that if, if we are specialising and if we are removing opportunities and options for young people too soon, then they're going to start to form their identities around something very narrow. And when that doesn't work out or, or when that gets shut down or when they retire, if they don't have another door to walk through, then that's very problematic. And there's there's lots of elite athletes that have exited high-performance sport that speak to this phenomena around not really knowing where to go to next, et cetera, et cetera. And so sport is really difficult because ultimately it's set up for this, um, this competition on Saturday that demands 
lots of work and, and lots of sort of digging down into the specifics of a, a quite a um, closed environment. Um, so on one hand, we're dealing with this struggle, but on the other hand, if we just provide more of these foundations and if we help young people to learn more about themselves, to, to create awareness, to understand what well-being actually is, to develop the abilities to, you know, take option B instead of always just taking option A, then, then I believe we can give them more skills, more strings to their bow that are going to allow them to be more adaptable in environments that are, that are really um, tough to navigate. Cool, that's great. So I'm going to give you a magic wand. <laughs> Every doctor needs a magic wand. Every athlete <laughs> sure. needs a magic wand. So a magic wand, five years from now, if you had a magic wand, what would you like to see globally around, you know, this youth development? You know, what would you like to see? So structural without control. Like, so th this is the one of the key concepts that I talk to a lot. Um, so somewhere along the line, adults decided that it was our job to do things to young athletes and not for them. And so the magic wand would definitely take a, a learning approach to sport as opposed to a performance, a doing approach. And it would help the adults that are facilitating the environments to understand learning much better and what underpins that learning around um, health and well-being because much like you guys, I believe that that leads to higher performance. And I'm still an advocate of going into sporting environments and doing your best and, and coming away with the win. I think that that's, that's a great lesson in life um, and we're all going to find ourselves in these environments that are that are tough and, and competitive and and we want to put our best foot forward and, and come away with the win like that's that's part of the joy of sport but we also we need the skill set that allows us to do that in a way that's not going to leave us crippled and and um you know damaged at the end of the day and so that magic wand would definitely help the adults to create the environments that are going to facilitate both better people as cliche as that sounds um uh, but also give them the skills to go on and and really unlock their potential and so it is a lot of the time two-pronged and it's attached it's it's making sure that the environments are right and then it's giving the individuals the specific skills to navigate those environments in the best way that they can and they really, they fundamentally come down to the mindset that the young person goes in with, because that's just not taught. A young athlete is lucky to, to be exposed to mental skills early on and, and someone that can help them to, to learn those over time that needs to somehow filter into environments. And then the, the physical skills are the same, a love for movement that you talked about, Liam, an intuition of their bodies so that they can... They can slow down when they need to and they can ramp up when they need to. Like, most young athletes really struggle to understand when they should take a rest, for example, as opposed to just constantly pushing harder and harder and harder. You know, there's this narrative in youth sport that I know has been pretty pervasive in the corporate world of more is better, more is better, more is better. But it's it's just not the case. It's like 
better is better. Um, And a lot of the time that just means understanding what you need and being more intentional about developing those skills in a way that focuses on quality as opposed to just more and more, right? So I was speaking to a young 15-year-old the other day, loves football, very curious, has come to a point where he knows he, he needs to work on his fitness, and so he goes out there every other day and just runs hard for 40, 45 minutes. And when you do that every second day, over and over and over again, then th- this you burn out. Like The body can't continue to adapt like that. And the, and the science is very clear around making sure that balancing high-intensity work with the right type of recovery, um, your performance is going to skyrocket. So for him, it's understanding that he can't just run hard every other day. He actually needs to take it easy, um, have recovery, like do the work around rest that he needs to do so that um, when he does provide the right stimulus the adaptation that he needs happens um much more much more beneficially so yeah there's a lot in that sorry i I dribbled for a little bit there but uh all of those all of those things just allow the the technical and the tactical elements of sport to to really flourish when they go out there um and so that's my one would would do a lot I think it's a beautiful uh, picture of the future. So thanks for sharing that. And I hope we can really get there, you know, because it uh, feels like it's not enough to get adults burnt out. We also have to get our kids burnt out, you know, like we, we really need to change that. And, Craig, and I'm really interested, you know, like Liam's asked about the future and I'm really curious to learn, like what got you into this in the first place? Yeah, so uh, when I I grew up completely saturated in the world of sport, and and I just sort of fell into that. I got taken along to a few. I had an older brother. I got taken along to the the athletics track and the football field, and I had success young because I was I inherited some of my my grandmother's speed genes. Um, she qualified for. A, the Commonwealth Games actually never never went because she got pregnant um, in the lead up, which was um, one of those things that happened back in the day that would never happen these days. Um, so I was lucky enough to to have some some genetic ability, um, and so I got success in sport young, and it just started to dominate my life because um, that recognition was really nice for me, and when we know that that's important for young people, and so we sort of we start to to go down those tracks that we we get recognized for. So I, I played lots of different sports, completely love it, had lots of success, tried to take any opportunity I could get out of the classroom. Not not because I didn't like school, but just because I like sport better. And had really high success in a couple of sports as a junior. Um, and then it kind of all fell apart for me when I left school and went to university, mainly because I got injured. And looking back, uh-huh, it was very clear to me that I was doing the wrong stuff in my training. Uh, I mean, it was pushing me in the in the direction of lots of imbalances in my muscles, and and I ended up ripping a hamstring, and I just couldn't rehab it, and so that was the end of my sporting career. Um, I had a really sort of significant experience in my football um, through a coach that was so. Uh, pervasive for me in the way that he coached that I walked away from the game as a 16 year old so I've reflected on that recently and that's that's that was a moment of massive change for me so love sport went to 
the University of Otago, my PE teacher actually in my in my last year of school said, as I was trying to decide what to do, like you got to go to Dunedin. It's awesome. You'll love it. It's a great time. And for anyone that's spent time in and around the University of Otago and the Scarfy culture, they'll know that it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So I did that. I did an undergrad in physical education four years at the time, and then I met a, a guy called Craig Palmer who. He was coaching middle distance running at the time. I uh, mean, was fascinated in exercise physiology, and uh, we started to hang out a lot. And he convinced me that I should jump into a masters. So I did that straight after my undergrad, and we looked at warm up for New Zealand, some of New Zealand's best middle distance running athletes. So we we're trying to facilitate a warm up that would that would allow them to go out and and be in a better physiological state the moment that the gun went off at the start so that was that was really cool we um we took a whole bunch of middle distance runners into a in a, into a sports science lab and took blood and uh, measured their fitness and put them on a treadmill and asked them to run as hard as they could for um, until they basically fell off the back yeah so did that and then um, I, I met my now wife who was playing netball for the Otago Rebels at the time and, and we moved back to Auckland um, she was she took up a contract with the Auckland Diamonds at the time and I started doing high performance and strength and conditioning work so basically the fitness for for top sporting teams and I did that for about five or six years and really enjoyed it but kind of realized that athletes were coming into the space missing pieces and I also started missing as strange as it sounds academia and uh, but not so much the the ivory tower, as we call it. So not so much the actual mechanics of what you do in a university, but more the the scientific process. And so I wanted to somehow get back into asking questions and looking for the answers. And so I went back to some a colleague of mine at AUT and was really lucky to, to have a PhD scholarship thrown in my lap, um, literally about four weeks after I inquired. But this scholarship was running... At what we call a long-term athlete development program here in Auckland at the high performance facility on the North Shore, AUT Millennium. And this program was working with young people between the ages of eight and 16 and giving them the physical and the psychological foundations. Um, so it was actually one of the first programs, not only in New Zealand, but around the world. So it was a, it was a really great opportunity. And I took over leading that program spent over a decade running that program and over that time had a lot of autonomy a lot of choice um, from the organization and and so we we took that program from something that was sort of really foundational and, and really physical to something that was much more holistic and that program still runs today but I, I left that program got my PhD during that time and then left, left that program in the end of 2019 and, and basically started doing this work for myself and, and helping organizations and helping coaches and helping athletes themselves to figure out what they need and then put in the right plan of attack in order to acquire those skills, which is where we've come to today. Wow. Thank you. I can see how there are many stars aligned or triggers along the way, you know, like to that led you where you are at right now. So thanks for, thanks for sharing your story. Yeah. yeah. I also had kids too. Oh yeah. <laughs> kids <laughs> came that, in the middle of that. Didn't yeah. They? But that, but that changed, that ultimately changed the way that I, I, I look at 
development because it became very personal. Um, and so mm. as, as they've developed, I've seen firsthand, you know, the effects of, of all of these things coming together. They're still quite young, but, and that journey will continue. But for me now it's, uh, sport is, as I said earlier, it's just this vehicle through which if you do it right is one of the best environments to, to mm. develop young people. Mm. I've got one quick question because I know then we, we, we'll probably move to sort of wrapping up and tell us about this football coach <laughs> that, that was a game changer. What, <laughs> what was their style that had you leave the sport? So be, be very clear because I think it's, it's so important. I've seen that with my own kids too that, you know, a particular type of coach can encourage or discourage kids pretty big. And it sounds like yours was the negative side of it, but I, I don't want to assume that, but... Give us the one minute or two minute version of what actually happened for you as a kid and how you felt. And yeah, so uh, I I grew up out in, in just a, a local suburb in the middle of Auckland, and at the time the school was very it was very localized to the kids that could walk there, um, and so I started playing first eleven at the school as a fourth former, which is like year ten. Um, so I was barely fourteen. Man, I was playing with guys that were two three years older than me um, and a lot of those mates were my my older brother mates um, so i'd known them for a little while and we caught up you know outside of school and and it was just a it was a great environment we trained twice a week um, and then we'd play a game on saturday and it was uh it was still fairly kind of cruisy back in the time and then this coach came along and we had the under 17 world cup in Auckland in 18 months time after this coach situated in the was situated in the school and everything went from those like foundational pieces around connection around choice around a love for the game to how quickly can I take these young people and kind of mold them into these high performance footballers and so everything became very directive and very organized and very structured and and very serious and if you didn't do exactly what was asked of you then there was a consequence to that right so there was a lot of control there was a a lot of this is how we're going to play and this is what you need to do in order to fit into the formation and those opportunities to hang out with your mates and play a game that you love kind of just started to to filter away um, and so and there was also just some conflict between me and the coach we just didn't see eye to eye um, I I wasn't so happy to um, be told what to do and I think that was part of my personality at the time um, and so whereas some of the other players were quite happy to do that um, it was just a different relationship and so I needed I needed a different approach from the coach than some of the other players did and, and I didn't get it. Um, and so I ended up, I remember the, the conversation with my parents vividly around the breakfast table, deciding whether I was going to play football in my final year of school. And it was, it was one of the hardest decisions that I had to make. I mean, they supported me wholeheartedly, but like I said, I ended up walking away from the game and I think I've played about three games of football since. So those, those are the, the impact that coaches can have on kids like half of a season um and i no longer played this game that i'd been playing for 10 years previously and so that's why i do what i do is because the environments matter and 
you you have to be very aware of who you are and what you're doing as an as a coach as an adult as a parent because um, you can very easily impact a young person and it sticks with them for the rest of their lives. Wow, I can see where the structure without control, you know, comes from. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Kids, kids need boundaries. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt, and they need, they need structure. But we have to, we have to loosen the rope somewhat. And just um, at adolescence is this time of exploration. You go from you know, being very much under the control of your parents to, you know, having to go out into the big wide world and figure it out on yourself. And so we need to give kids opportunity to try things and make mistakes and learn from those mistakes and and figure out who they are by doing lots of different things. And the only way we can do that is to is to set up environments. I think about it as as you know, the garden analogy where our job is to make sure that the soil is the right type of soil and that it's full of the right nutrients. And and, and then we plant the seeds and, and every now and again, we have to provide the water and the fertilizer, but ultimately that garden's going to grow into whatever flowers or vegetables that they decide to be. And our job is to make sure that we're just a good gardener as opposed to the architect who knows exactly what they want at the end of the day and is very specific around those environments to control it, right? So we need to be better. We need to be gardeners as opposed mm. to, to carpenters. Cool. Hey, well, that's great because as you know, at The Zone here, we're about creating sort of corporate athletes in a way. I mean, you know, in, in your language and helping people understand how they get into flow and that they need rest and recovery and all that. And one of my other things is I'm into permaculture or regenerative agriculture. So I love your garden analogy and <laughs> yeah, I know sure. how important it is if we want to create healthy crops as, you know, we can't use, you know, if we use try and negatively influence it, we kill the organic nature and, and we lose crops and we lose soil health and all sorts of goodies. So that's great. This has been so interesting and I could talk for hours as usual, but Paola's gonna gonna ask you now a couple of questions just to end us. And so and if people want to learn more, they can they can get in touch with you. And I know you and I will have a conversation after this. So Yeah. So Craig, like so where people can find you, you know, like and uh, what type of people you want to connect with, what resources you have available. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, I mean, I'm I'm available on all the social networks, just at Dr. Craig Harrison, so Dr. Craig Harrison. You just uh, Google my name and, and I'll pop up. Um, so I've, I've got my podcast I mentioned. You can find that on uh, Spotify or um, iTunes. It's the Athlete Development Show, and I'd love for you to, to tune in. We talk about all things sporting development. Um, there's lots of really interesting people on there that are not only applicable in the sporting realm but but many other areas of life too so that's a really fun project that that i get to do and, and then if, if you want to reach out directly then just you can grab my email which is craig at athlete development project.com and yeah feel free to reach out and i'd love to have a conversation so um, i mean those those people really that i'm most interested in supporting are either parents or coaches and administrators that are looking to provide opportunities for young people to ultimately 
take control of their own journeys and develop the skills that are going to provide their best chances of going well in sport, but also going well in life. And and so if you're interested in that, if you're interested in the person and embedding those foundations, then I'd love to have a conversation. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. It's been really, really interesting and exciting to have you on the show. And thanks for sharing all this, all your experience and methodology and energy and beliefs and uh, wishes for the world with us. I appreciate I appreciate I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, thanks a lot, Craig. And yeah. And I know people can also get you on LinkedIn as well. Eh? So that's that's how we connected. So yes. So that's great. So thanks very much, Craig. Uh we'll talk soon. And hey, look, I'm a parent. I'd encourage every parent to reach out to Craig. You know, there's a lot of free resources you provide as well. It's not just all paid stuff, but you know, building that awareness could change the future. For your children and i think every parent is totally that's one of our wishes right so how can they have fun in life and, and enjoy movement for the rest of their life and help them live longer more fulfilled more sustainable lives so yeah thanks very much for the work you do and uh we'll uh say ciao for now and see you uh, see you on maybe another episode in the future and hear how you've got on awesome thank you thank you Wow, what an amazing human being. What an amazing conversation. I really love like what Craig's standing for, you know, like the changes that he really wants to build to, to how we educate kids. And I love this idea about the importance of having an environment that is structured, but not controlled. And that gives kids mm. this freedom and space to, to explore, to play, to be and to understand what they like, what they don't. And I think those three key pillars of, you know, choice, connection and challenge and giving them this chance to actually connect beyond the sport itself, like connecting the environment with each other and also choosing, do I want to opt in for this level of challenge or, you know, or for a different one? It's really, really interesting. Yeah, and the picture that's left in my mind was the skate park. Mm-hmm. You know, all the different levels of challenge that you can do. You know, it's a very social thing. There's lots of choice. As you said, there's, lot, there's an array of challenges and, and getting that challenge level right for yourself and building them. And then building those habits and skills with small frequent doses rather than overtraining so that you bring the joy and love back into it. And I think it's so, so also applicable to organizations and building corporate athletes. Mm. Uh, and I think that's, that's you know, really great for anyone who's listening, who just has a team of people or a whole bunch of, you know, humans. This is the human element, right? Yeah. And, you know, like, so if you want, if you have kids and you really want to help them to understand, you know, and, and fall in love with movement and, and putting well-being before performance, as a foundation for performance. So then do get in touch with Craig and uh, building on what Liam's saying, if you do want to create the right environment for adults and to become you know, athletes of the corporate world, then do get in touch with us at the zone 
www.ciao.co. So, ciao from me. Yeah, ciao from me. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.